All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another brand new Boca podcast episode, brand new guest, Nada Salvatore. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today for the show. Of course. And we managed to overcome some technical glitches and difficulties. I, I think one of the perks of pretty much everybody being at home right now is bandwidth is kind of down. Um, and, and for context, for anybody listening in later on, of course, we're, we're dealing with what is largely a quarantine situation during the coronavirus. And so uh, everybody's at home of, from work and school. Bandwidth mm-hmm. uh, is a little bit slower, and we have to kind of overcome that sometimes. But nonetheless, we're going to make this happen. We've got a really interesting show coming uh, your way, those of you listening in. Uh, not a, I, I am fascinated by not just your story, but more specifically, what you've been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. I mean, you've only been in business for a little over a year. You've shot how many portrait sessions? 134 or something like that? Yeah, my first year was about 134 sessions. Um, went back and counted after actually listening to one of your episodes with somebody else. Yeah. Um, got, got me curious to see what I have done. So yeah, that was, that was a pretty good number for first year, I'd say. Well, and, and in my mind, I hear that. First of all, I'm impressed. Um, major props to you. But then secondly, I'm like, well, this is there could be a lot of valuable information here that we could share with our, our audience and hopefully help them book a little bit more, especially coming out of you know this experience right now with the coronavirus, things are, mm-hmm. are slow. And I think the best way or one of the best ways photographers can be spending their time other than just being with the important people in their life a little bit more is to think proactively about their business for the long yeah. term. So you know whether it's a month from now or two or three or four months from now, when we're out on the other side of this, how can we have our business prepared in such a way that we can hit the ground running and go a hundred miles an hour and book those clients that we need to and start generating revenue again. So we're going to get into that here in just a second. But as everybody knows um, that listens to the show, we usually start off with a series of questions that I wanted to also ask you, Nada. Um, mm-hmm. Number one, your experience as a business owner so far, it's relatively short, uh, which I think might bring some interesting perspective what would you say is one of the most important principles in bringing or developing a good client experience for your customers? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think the main thing is really taking the time to get you know each person. Um, I've been working with people for years, many, many years before photography. Just understanding that everybody's so different and there's such an individuality to everyone and everyone's story. So taking the time to listen and, and talk to, to your clients, it really makes a huge impact on how you can make sure that that experience for that specific client makes sense and is valuable to them. You know, we talk a lot about a concept of value and when we're in the service industry in general. And value to me is different to what value means to you, which is different what value means to the next person. So really taking the time to understand that piece makes a huge difference. Oh, that's true. Okay. So let's break this down. First of all, you, you've worked with over 100 clients at this point, uh, I'm assuming mm-hmm. based on those numbers. That's a lot of people. How do you effectively get to know somebody that many times over? I mean, mentally, uh, yeah. you know, none of us at the end of the day, well, I should say we only have so much capacity, right, to, to handle so many <laughs> relationships. That's just the reality of it. So how do you effectively get to know that many people in such a short mm-hmm. amount of time and, and then translate that to the way that you engage with them? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about my other experience. And, and so I have training in physical therapy. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Okay. So in a, in a regular day-to-day basis, I had to learn new people, learn new people, like yeah. learn their story and learn what is valuable to them, what they want to go back to, what their goals are. Sure. So just developing the ability to have a conversation, 
maybe over the phone or over an email before that session and say, hey, who's coming to that session? I want to know who they are. How old are they? Tell me a little bit about Johnny and, you know, what makes Johnny laugh or what makes you laugh about Johnny? And sometimes I even schedule sessions in places where I know it's going to be a little bit of a walk between the parking lot and the places where we're going to take pictures. Okay. So I can actually talk to them on the way there. You know, I might have five or 10 minutes to just get to know them a little bit more and use those details into um, the session, you know, to kind of bring that back into the session. With my uh, wedding clients, we sit down and we talk a ton. I want to know how they're fell in love. What about that person you love the most? What makes, what about that person makes you laugh? What is important to you as a couple? Um, What is important to you to see in the pictures when you look back at them 10 years from now? Um, so really just taking the time to listen to people mm. makes a huge difference in how you then photograph them. Do you have just an, a naturally great memory? Do you remember all these things? Or are you taking notes as you go along? You know, it's funny. I, I have a good memory okay. um, for facts and, and a really good faces to pay attention. I have forced myself to be better with names mm. uh, since I started taking pictures. Uh Obviously, with my patients before, you know, I always had notes in front of me, so I knew their names, and I'm seeing them over and over, so it's easier to learn names. With photography clients, sometimes you see them once, and you don't see them for a long time, or maybe you won't see them again. Uh, hopefully, they'll come back to you. When <laughs> yeah. But but you might have to learn a, a five family member, you know, names and once on the go. So I really made a mental effort to learn people's names so when i'm asking them to do something different i'm saying hey mom or dad i can say hey jane Mm. or you know hey scott can Mm -hmm. you put your arm this way um and and people respond better when you say their names you know they feel better when you say their names they do so and i'll try to you know sometimes i think about is there somebody else that i know with that same name and i try to think of that person when i say their name and try to somehow associate that person with a person that I know that has the same name. And that does help me to remember their name a little bit more. And I know there's different tricks that people might use, but, you know, really, I do have a good memory for details. Um, like I was, I was uh, joking with you a little bit earlier, you said, you know, I heard you're not good at multitasking. And that's something you've said in an episode before. And I'll remember little things like that and I'll bring them up and you'll validate that I'm paying attention to that, you. Oh, and that's, that's such a great way to sum that up to validating the fact or proving the fact that you're actually mm-hmm. listening in. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mentioned, I think this maybe at least once, if not twice or three times on the podcast before, but there's a particular former late night show host, TV show host. Uh, called Craig Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he did so well, he would very purposefully, he'd get the cue cards. Like I think probably most late night show hosts have the cue cards and or, you know, the, the, um, what are the teleprompter in front of them, but they kind of know the direction. I think that they're going to go in the conversation when that person comes on stage, he would kind of infamously tear up the cue cards and just throw them, like make a scene (laughs) out of throwing them behind him or to the side. And then he would just focus on the person in front of him and he would take cues from what they were saying and the the conversation could go the most random places but he would grab a word or phrase or an idea or some connection that he made with a Mm -hmm. word or phrase or idea that they mentioned and then he would go to that for the next question and you'd end up with the most random conversations in in that context i guess but it was really wonderful because like you said it highlighted the fact that he was actually listening um, and I think this is a really good reminder for all yeah. of us 
that we do make a little bit more of a, of an effort to pay attention even to the little bit of details, because even if we don't remember every single fact, the way that we make the person feel when we pay that kind of attention to them using their name included, Mm -hmm. um, so, so significant. I'm glad that you highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, I want to keep going though, because we have a lot to to cover here. Let's talk about brand position. And by the way, for everybody listening in, uh, if you go to NS photo book, the letter N is a Nathan S photobook.com. Um, you can see Nada's website there and actually the same thing on, uh, Instagram, NS photo book on Instagram. We'll link to both in the show mm-hmm. notes, by the way, your, your feed is very, very beautiful, lovely, kind of Thank a you. American Eagle feel almost warm and, oh. and kind of inviting. And, and, uh, I, yeah, it's really, really great, but your brand position, I mean, something that we talk quite a bit here about on the, on the podcast brand position, how to create distinction between yourself and other photographers in your market. Do you have a brand position statement for your business? You know, this is one of the hardest things for me to work on. It was definitely hard. I think I I have a concept in mind and hopefully that's coming through on my website and and the work that I do. Um, And I talked about, again, it comes back to people. I talk about Mm. people are amazing. Like you are amazing and your pictures should be too. Mm. You know, that most photographers capture moments. I show you how truly amazing you are. So really focusing on helping people understand and see through the lens um, of everybody's is amazing. Everybody has a little amazing story in their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how can I capture that and put that into a picture? Um, it might be an interaction between a mother and a son, and maybe there's a, it's a huge backstory there. It might be um, family dynamics that, you know, they overcome so many things to be there to be able to take those pictures. A couple that is getting married after, you know, whatever happens. So everybody's amazing and, and they have an amazing story. So mm. how can I capture that and make that into a tangible memory for them? So that's really, you know, you'll see that on my website. It says most photographers um, capture moments. I show you how truly amazing you are. Yeah. And, and it's there. I mean, props to you because it's there at the very top, right under the navigation for the site. Above I'm on, the fold. Above the fold. Yes, you do listen. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. a lot of our listeners are probably like, oh my goodness, he's talking about brand position again. But my goodness, yeah. the, this is, in fact, I was doing, and you were actually a part of this earlier today. There was a Facebook live that I was doing mm-hmm. for a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. And we were, I was pulling up uh, photographers websites and markets of certain photographers that were in that group and as i'm going through it's just amazing to me how few photographers actually state what their brand is about you see you might mm-hmm. see a really pretty picture and that's great but as i said in the facebook group pretty pictures are a dime a dozen any and everybody can take i mean yeah. i can i can grab my phone right now and take a really cool portrait of somebody or a beautiful mm-hmm. landscape shot i mean it's that's not difficult anymore. So that's not going to make us stand out. Yeah. One of the ways, and, and to be clear, only one of them, but certainly an important one that we can distinguish ourselves is to clearly and concisely communicate how we are offering a unique service that is of value to the potential client. And, and to do that, as you said, above the fold, make sure it's not missed. So the moment they land on the site, they see it right away. And as you pointed out, it says on your site, most photographers capture moments. I help you see how amazing you truly are. Um, and the focus on how you make them feel, uh, you know, to somebody, for somebody that lands on the site and they're, maybe they're not feeling so great about themselves that day and they see that, they might even find a bit of an encouragement or at least have their curiosity peaks because that you're speaking to how you're going to add value to their life. 
Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not an easy thing to do, especially with so many photographers out there to really find a way to stand out. Um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of thinking, a lot of research. Um, it's it's not easy, but it's definitely necessary for sure. Hundred percent, yeah. And and you alluded to the research aspect of it. For anybody listening in, if you if you just do a quick Google search, look at the first three or four pages of results. If you search whatever the name of your market, in my case, it would be Chattanooga, Chattanooga wedding photographer, for example, and see what comes up. See what photographers are saying about their brand, if anything at all. And then look for an opportunity to create a clear and distinct position that is in contrast to or positioned against those other brands. And you're going to be in a really great place pretty quickly just by doing so. Make sure, of course, you state it above the fold, uh, just like Nada demonstrated. Again, make sure that you visit Nada's site. If you go to nsphotobook.com and then nsphotobook on Instagram, we'll link to those in the show notes. But let's talk about time, Nada. I know you've got maybe a little bit extra time at the moment, just as things are, but being a business owner, having kids, uh, family, what, how do you create time for yourself amidst all the so-called busyness? Yeah, I wouldn't even call extra time right now. Uh, A lot of moms are having to homeschool their kids now. So I have to work from home and homeschool kids on top of that. Um, So it seems like maybe time out there for some people, but, but there are some people that are having some downtime, you know, we're not able to go out there and do sessions. Um, in a lot of places. So I think the way that I manage my time, so I've always been a big multitasker. Uh, so I'm actually really good at multitasking. Are you, man, I need some of that. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually, I, that's when I thrive. I have a hard time doing one thing at a time. Mm. Um, I find myself sitting to eat dinner with my family and, and having that feeling that I have to be doing something else. I have to kind of turn that off every once oh, in a okay. while. Okay. Um, Cause my whole life, I just did more than one thing. Mm. Even at and you know all my jobs, I've always done more than one thing and being responsible for more than one thing at a time. So I'm good at um, I don't I just don't waste time. Hmm. Um, I I'm really aware of my circle of influence and the things that I have control over and the things that I don't have control over, and I don't waste time on the things that I don't have control over. Wow. I really sit down when I sit down to to work. I focus on what I can do right now, and I just don't I I can't. You know, there's only so much I can do on that specific area. And so that's what I'm going to put my energy on. And it's a matter of choice and creating a habit of doing that. It's not an easy thing to do. And it doesn't mean you're being insensitive to other things. You're just really focusing on what you can influence and, you, and what you can control. And also being good at thinking of when can I be doing something else, right? So I'm gonna if I'm going to go and sit down somewhere where I have to wait for something, let's say I'm visiting, maybe I have a doctor's appointment and I know I'm going to sit there for a while. I know there's a few tasks that I can do while I'm sitting down there, maybe on my phone for my business. So using every single minute you have to get something done uh, will free up some time for you to be able to do some other things that you want to do, maybe spend time with your family and things like that. So, you know, blocking time is good. Um, but I think when people plan block time, sometimes they get thrown off when things don't work the way they want it. It's true. Life is going to get thrown and you just have to be able to manage it and, and then change and adapt as you go. Um, I think not again being being okay with change and adaptability is a big thing when it comes to your time management because I couldn't do something on that time that I set up to do it you know when can I get this done 
um, and still be able to do everything else that I want. Maybe I have to break this task into smaller parts. Uh, you know, so I've always been able to be super efficient with my time, but it's because I sit down and I get stuff done and I don't let other things distract me. But if I, if I know that I have some time, that, that's completely okay to get distracted and to do other things. So, but it's just being mindful of your decisions and what is the end result of that and, and not wasting time. But yeah, you, you've, you have a certain ability to focus, obviously, despite your ability to multitask as well. Like you, <laughs> you're aware of what it is you're trying to accomplish and everything mm-hmm. is kind of filtered through that big idea. And this is something we've talked about in the podcast, but I mean, even I'm guilty at, at times of not functioning in that way. I think it's easy for, you know, the more emotional kind of artist type personalities to just yeah. kind of go with the flow and do whatever is in the moment. And, and that's nice and it has its value. But at the end of the day, especially with all the distractions that we have, it's easy to get distracted, to be pulled in this direction in that way. With your kind of focus that you're so wonderfully demonstrating and communicating here, you're able to to get the things done with the time that you have that frees you up then, as you said, to mm-hmm. to do what you want later, spend time with the important people in your life or otherwise. Yeah. And I think this is a wonderful example for our listeners. And you made a number of points that are really important. So I hope everybody's listening in and pay really close attention because <laughs> this is really good stuff. Um, and it's no wonder why you've, you've taken off in your photography business. We'll talk more specifically about why in a second. But talk to me about outsourcing, delegating, uh, especially being a doctor. I mean, I, I know you know what it's mm-hmm. like in that context to delegate to somebody else. You, yeah. you don't run the whole office on your own. Do you apply some of those principles of delegation in your photography business yet? I did. It, it took me a little bit of a time um, just because I'm a, such a, I'm a call myself a pathological learner. Uh, <laughs> I, I love learning things okay. and I love understanding new concepts. Mm. So I really took that first year to really learn photography and learn the business of photography and everything that goes in, um, including the parts that most photographers hate that I think are very valuable. So to me, it kind of, you know, and I think I'm, this is probably true to a lot of people out there. You, you don't want to give away anything, right? You want to be doing everything. But I got to a point where I'm going through my growing pains right now mm. and I wanted to have some things done and they they kept falling to the bottom of my to-do list. Okay. Um, so I recently, probably in the last month and a half to two months, start outsourcing my blog. My, so I have a ghost uh, writer for my blogs. So I create a list of topics that I want to focus on this year. And I do work with this person once a week. So I have a blog going out once a week because I know that is important, again, for my growth and to have that copy on my website for you know all kinds of reasons. So that's the one first thing that I start outsourcing. And I can see myself as as business grow to look into things like editing, for example. Although I do, I know love this great company. By the way, edit. I know, right? <laughs> I've heard of them. I think I've heard of a few good people out there. But it's something that I actually enjoy doing. Sure. A lot of people don't like it, and I actually enjoy doing it. And I probably edit way more pictures than I need Mm. um, because I think it helps me again practice and understand what I want to get to and and how to get to it faster when I need to but that probably is going to be the next thing uh, on my outsourcing to do yeah well I mean there's there's so many things that that we can find enjoyment in as business owners photography Mm -hmm. business owners the question of course at the end of the day is that thing kind of what you were saying earlier does it actually support the the bigger picture goal which is probably largely why you're getting ready to to begin delegating that as well when it comes to delegating blog writing though that this is very interesting do you how do you effectively communicate what you need done in a short enough time to make it valuable to delegate that Mm -hmm. because it seems like i mean it's one thing just to kind of robotically write 
text to go with some pictures for the sake of SEO. But mm-hmm. then is, is there, how do you effectively communicate your voice and maintain a little bit of personality in that too? Yeah, it was uh, really doing a good amount of research to find the, the right person okay. that could actually do that in that short amount of time. So finding somebody that w- was able to write with that personality in there mm-hmm. um, that matched kind of what I wanted to portray. So that was number one. Yeah. Second is just be very good at communicating what you need. Yes. So n- not just giving them a title, but, you know, what do I want to write about? What are my uh you know, my main focus words that I want you to be hitting. Okay. Um, what is this going to go to? I might share the pictures with them so they kind of have an idea of what's going with the text. And then obviously when I get it back, I might change a few things here and there to make it more of m- my own. But I'm not spending hours of doing the research right. and everything together. It's just more fine-tuning out to make sure it looks like what I want it to look like. So I'm just being time efficient. Um, but communication is a huge thing and then finding the right person. Oh yeah. Communication. And that yeah. really is one yeah. of the biggest <laughs> challenges, especially as photography business owners being sole proprietors, the idea that we have to think outside of our own head is kind of a yeah. foreign concept to us. And yeah, so yeah. learning how to com- communicate clearly, a lot of that starts with knowing what we want. And again, mm-hmm. you alluded to this. If we start there, if we're clear about what it is that we want, if we can effectively sum up what we want, whatever the context yeah. effectively in a few sentences, maybe a paragraph, then we should be able to more effectively figure out how to communicate that to um, to that person that we might be delegating to. If we're not clear, if we do a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there, and yeah. this is especially true with editing, a lot of photographers, even they, they don't even realize it um, in, in many cases anyway, but certain photographers will edit one way for a particular event, another way for another event, another way for a different portrait session. And you can see the difference, the changes. They don't realize it themselves because they're just kind of in it. Um, but this could be applicable not just with editing and other yeah. circumstances. If we're not clear what we want up front and consistent in that, it's going to be more difficult to communicate. If we are clear, way easier. And I'm glad that you highlight that as well. Talk to me about inspiration, though, outside of photography. I mean, you already function outside or have any way. Are, are you still actively practicing as a doctor? I am actually. Okay, cool. Um, so I work a 40-hour week job and then wow. I have my, <laughs> my job on top of it and my two little ones. Yeah. So I do at this point, and this is something that, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with my husband. Is like, this is going to be a, a, a tough year for me, a hard year for me. And I, and I, and I know it. Yeah. And I'm okay with it mm. because I want to go through this process of growing my own business. Sure. But so I still, you know, work full time and I, and I love what I do there too, which is going to be hard for me if I ever want to transition. I build programs to help people. So I create a concussion program and mm. things that would, you know, it's just, they they're, have a lot of emotional attachment to sure. those things. Yeah. And then I, I come, you know, at five o'clock, I get my, my, I, stop work and I go get my daughter and get home and I'm with them until they go to bed. So I don't get to start in my own business until we're talking 10, 10 30. Wow. Um, I work until two or three in the morning. I would say most days. Of Whoa. The week. So that is not an easy thing to do, but it's what I have to do right now to get through what I wanted to get to. Um, so I just know that that's the decision I made. Those, that's a consequence of that decision. Sure. I want to spend time with my kids. So I'm not starting any type of work before they're done. And I have my other job. So, you know, inspiration outside of photography. Um, I mean, I just, I, I look around and I take so much in mm. all the time. I talk about, um, I have this photography driving brain while I'm driving around. I'm like, oh, that'd be great for a photo shoot. Oh, that place is amazing. <laughs> oh, I wish I could stop there. Um, so I'm 
constantly like I'm very observant and I don't know if that's part of just me being in a I didn't grow up in this country this is my second language so I'm, I'm, I pay attention to things a lot anything from a visual standpoint from an auditory standpoint I'm, all, I'm constantly paying attention so my brain kind of never stops I'm analyzing and I'm taking in um, so even from a drive from something that you watch on television which I haven't done in a while so you know watching television <laughs> um, but you know talking to people and watching and seeing what your kids are doing when they're playing there's so much out there that we can take in and kind of transforming to what we want to do as an as an artist you know as a as creatives um so i think it's just intentively paying attention to things like looking at things to find something in them versus just looking because you're you know looking so just being intentive with your time if i'm going to be driving i'm going to be one listening to a podcast or something that i can or a book that i want to listen to because i'm going to have to be in the car anyway so i might as well make something out of that right and then i'm going to be looking and seeing is there something i can get inspiration from from a color scheme from a from a geometric shape from a location standpoint so again my multitasking kind of comes on at that time. <laughs> but there's so much out there that you can look for outside of photography you know uh, that i think is is endless the possibilities are endless it's so true. It's so true. But that, that attention to detail really makes yeah. a difference. Not only do you take in possible shooting locations, um, but it seems like at the end of the day, if you learn how to pay attention just to people and see mm-hmm. that the nuances and their behavior and the emotions and expression of that emotion. And um, then when it comes time to actually photograph, you're going to be that much more attentive as well. And it makes a big difference, mm-hmm. not only in the way that you interact with them, but the way that you photograph them. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, I can very much relate to what you're talking about. I, I'm kind of like a kid in the way that I take things in when I travel or just exist for yeah. that matter. And I think we can maintain that level of curiosity. It really translates beautifully to, to, or can anyway, to our photography. And I love that you do that proactively. Talk to me, though. You mentioned an audio book. Um, is, are there a particular book or um, self-help book, business book or otherwise that you've found particularly inspirational? Yeah. So in the last few years, because I've been, you know, doing lots, lots more and more in all kinds of in my uh, physical therapy career, but also transitioning to photography, I went from reading actual physical books to listening to books. So yeah. that's my rating right now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, for time's sake and to be to be efficient. Sure. Obviously, um, building a story brand is a, it's a huge, uh, helpful book, and and all people mention on your podcast all the time. That's what I actually heard it from the first time was listening to your podcast. But I actually went through the whole process of trying to apply that as I build my as I you know work on my website and as I build my brand, and it was so helpful. Mm. Um, it really breaks things down and it help you go through that whole process of understanding what you want to you know, portray to your clients and, and how to do that in a very simple and clear manner, which yeah. it's always helpful to me. Again, this is my second language. So making sure that I'm communicating properly is, is a huge important thing to me. So that was very helpful. But then another one that I think is, I've read a long time ago, I might have even read it in Portuguese when I was in Brazil, but it comes to mind often in the last few months and especially on the last uh, couple of weeks is Who Moved My Cheese? Really? Okay. Great. Yeah. So Spencer Johnson is the author who moved my cheese. And are you familiar with that at all? No, I'm not. Okay. So it's a book about how to deal with change. 
Ah. Which is which is very important, I guess, for for the time being. Um, and it just portrays, you know, it, it come it happens in the maze, and there's two mice and two actually little, little humans, and they talk about how their reactions are about change and and overthinking and not accepting that things are different or mm. accepting that things are different, and how you can kind of overcome and kind of work around. And I think this is very much how I react things on a day-to-day basis i'm the kind of person that you can throw anything at me and i would i will work around it i'll find a way to to make it happen uh my adaptability is really good my ability to adapt which i think it helped me to be successful in in you know whatever i try to do um and i think right now it's going to be very important for our industry to be able to adapt and transform and look at what you do and see how can i do this in a different way how can I do this to survive? You know, our, our cheese yeah. that used to be there is no longer there. So right. how can I find cheese again? How can <laughs> I keep going to, you know, where am I going to find the cheese? So it's a great book uh, and it's an easy read. So I'll definitely recommend people take a look at it right now. P- perfect. We'll put it in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Yeah. And for anybody listening, we also have a dedicated site just for the most popular books on the podcast. If you go to boca, <laughs> B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com. Um, you can find that there. Haley put together a really great resource there as well. Uh, let's let's keep going though. I mean, you mentioned not being from the U.S. You're originally mm-hmm. from Brazil, and you mentioned earlier to me that you're from the southern part of Brazil. Is that right? Whereabouts? Yeah. So it's called Rio Grande do Sul, which is the last state on the south of Brazil. So if you look at the Brazil map, it's all the last. So as far as it can be from here, <laughs> it take, takes me forever to go visit family. Uh, what, how often do you get to go uh, back? Well, I used to go more often. So um, I've been here for 16 years now. Um, The first several years I was a student. So I had to go back every year, actually, and renew my student visa. Um, And in the last few years, after kids, obviously, it becomes a little bit harder to to travel. Sure. Um, There's four of us now to pay for tickets. (laughs) Yeah. The last time I was there was probably two and a half years or so. Mm. Uh, We do have our, you know, family coming to visit every once in a while. But so, uh, you know, it's been a, an interesting transition. And I always joke that I was born in the wrong place. I was supposed to be born here and somehow ended up over there. <laughs> uh, this feels this feels like home to me. Um, That's cool. So, yeah. I've never had the opportunity to, to visit Brazil, um, but I just have the strong connection. I started telling you about this earlier, but the strong connection between the country of Brazil and soccer. I, I grew up playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and Japan, actually, um, a, a good bit of my kind of childhood was spent mm-hmm. in Japan and it's the most popular sport was, um, uh, or became the most popular sport while I was there. Brazil kind of takes it to a whole different level yeah. and has produced just some amazing, <laughs> amazing talent. Um, I would love to go visit the country at one point, but talk to me about the transition. I mean, you, you are a doctor of physical therapy. How do you transition from a field like that to photography or, or begin to add in photography? How did those two things uh, coexist, if you will. Yeah, so I'm going to go back a little bit on, on my story because I think that will help kind of shape up that in, in that answer. So I came here 16 years ago with $30 in my pocket and wow. without speaking any word of English. Uh, my English was very much like most people's Spanish around here. So <laughs> <you> might, <laughs> might be able to say a couple words here and there, um, but sure. you know, not, nothing to to be able to survive anywhere. Right. And I just took the plunge to come here and get an education in, under a volleyball scholarship. So I was actually a professional player at some point in my life. No way. Um, Yes, I did. So, which it, again, gave me plenty of skills to translate into this, uh, oh. which I assume 
crazy, but yeah. No, that's so cool too, because actually, and, and it's funny, I didn't think about it, but that's, that's another sport that I have a strong association with yeah. uh, when it comes to Brazil. Oh my goodness. Amazing, amazing talent coming yeah. out of Brazil, including yourself, apparently. That's really cool. Yeah. So I was able to, through that medium, be able to come to this country and in, in uh, a another little crazy story by not knowing English and sending an email to the wrong person okay. kind of ended up, ended up with a scholarship Wow! <laughs> in Arizona. So my first two years in the U S was in Arizona, again, trying to not being able to write or read anything and going straight to college to a junior college. So, you know, I was able to, through a lot of, again, hard work and discipline and dedication graduate with really good grades and be able to get accepted into physical therapy school Again, understanding that those first two years I was here, it was hard to understand what was needed really to get to college and and to go to to understanding that physical therapy wasn't a, a undergraduate degree; it was actual doctorate degree here. And what need, you know what is what was needed to get there? So I was taking you know twenty three, twenty four credits a semester. Wow, fifteen credits in the summertime to be able to get to what I needed to get. Um, to go to PT school. So went through my um, three years of doctor physical therapy school and then continue my education and to get residency training and fellowship training. Um, so I now have the highest level of training a physical therapist can have, which means I invested a lot of time in my education to be able to do what I do. Yeah. And, you know, got to manage clinics in the organization that I work for. And then about a couple of years ago, went through some changes in like leaving the clinic, leaving the, the clinical practice and moving into more of a um, program development and administrative position. But it made me go through this mental process of if I don't do this anymore, if this is no longer my job, what would I be doing? Hmm. You know, would, would I go back to school and get another degree on something? Would I just start working on some other, you know, uh, career? And there were a couple of things that came to mind and photography was, was the, the number one. And I started looking back of, I always documented our journey to the u.s and i met my husband actually when i was in arizona so okay. we've been together for 16 years now wow and just i've always documented our whole journey you know throughout these years and so looking back at my pictures you could see attempts of like staging things and looking at the composition and you know trying to create something different than mm -hmm. just me taking a picture sure so it was fun to look back and recognize some of the things that i do now as a photographer so i was like i always loved photography i always love documenting things and capturing the moment and, and looking back at it later i remember as a kid i would love to go to my grandparents house and pull up the old pictures and i wanted to know who these people are and what are their names and how are they related to me so i always enjoyed photography so i said you know i have asked my husband for a camera when my second daughter was born so he gave me an icon d5 5100 okay i said i have this nice camera i never took the time to really learn how to use it so let let me do this i was appointed in my you know physical therapy journey where there wasn't a lot of learning going on okay um and again i'm a pathological learner so i was looking for something to learn so i started investing on learning what photography was and and what the lingo was and what does that mean and how can i use my camera and then i found myself just diving into learning and being and wanting to be a photographer so i crossed paths with, with people like david moner and um jody and 
um, Zach Gray and Zach Gray, which I know, I think you guys are friends. I think you ride motorcycles together, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we we have, yeah, a number of times. And, and uh, David Molnar, um, I've had the opportunity to spend a little time with as well. Yeah. So, you know, awesome people. So I've been trying. So that's when I started learning and, and really um, seeing how people really cared about their clients and, mm. and, and how I have this connection with people and how I could take me taking care of people physically and helping them feel better physically to now helping them feel better emotionally and psychologically by taking their pictures and creating these memories for them. Yeah. So to me, it was a, it wasn't an easy transition because there was so much to learn and I'm still learning a ton of it, but it was, uh, I can use so many of my skills into this new business that, you know, I was excited about doing that and being able to translate what I know into the business of photography. All right, so I want to I want to take. I mean, you've you've had so much experience as a doctor of physical therapy. It's obviously that combined with your seemingly innate talent set has translated your ability to be able to build a business really, really quickly. But I want to break that down in detail for our listeners. Make this really practical, actionable. Um, you told me before we started recording that you've got. In fact, you shared them with me. Eleven different kind of steps that you took in order to get to the place that you are now very, very quickly, let's just go through those if we can and uh, let our listeners into the the secret of this talent that's just, that is not a Salvatore. Go ahead. Yeah. So the first thing was really, um, like I mentioned a little bit, is educating myself about photography in general. So mm. before I even dive in and pick my camera, I would spend, you know, and I would allow myself two or three hours an evening to just understanding what photography means, understanding the industry terms, understanding what it means to be a photographer, what it is, what a session is and, you know, what kinds of things and how people do their, how people do business, but just really spending the time to understand what you're getting into really. Yeah. That's, that's, yep. that's important because so many people are like, Oh, I love taking pictures. And I grab my camera and it's like taking pictures, but there's so much behind the business of photography and what photography is in general and how so many true. types of genres of photography there is that there is so much to learn before you even touch your camera. So really spending the time to do that first and create a solid basis of understanding of what you're getting into, I guess was a big thing. And would you say that there were, if you were to name two or three of the most impactful resources that you tapped into, what were those? Yeah, I would say David Moner was a big help to me. I kind of ran into one of his uh, free webinars as I was looking through things on YouTube. I mean, YouTube has been great <laughs> helping with a ton of free resources. Um, and I ran into one of his webinars and he does an amazing job at just explaining a very simple language of what things are mm -hmm. from all, anything technical to, you know, posing to Lightroom and everything else. So I think he was a great help for me in the beginning. He has an amazing Facebook community that is very supportive. And I've been part of a ton of communities out there. And I always tell them, I said, I don't I have never found a community that is as supportive and as positive as his. Wow. Um, it's amazing how good they are at giving you constructive feedback. And I think a lot of it is how he how present he is and how he presents himself and it kind of just the culture just stays within the group. That's cool. But people are very positive. People will give you some good feedback. I've used that group a ton mm -hmm. and I've gone back often now to help motivate them and say, Hey, look, I was here a year ago and yeah. now I'm, I book weddings. You know, I've done eight weddings already this year between my own and second shooting for people. And, you know, I was, you know, I was here not too long ago. So try to help motivate people, have, help give them feedback. So that was a big one for me. 
Yeah, not to um, mention the 100 plus sessions that you've done too, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, shout out to David. Um, if for everybody that's curious, if you go to David Molnar, M-O-L-N-A-R.com, um, mm-hmm. he's right there in the front of the website uh, it, and actually almost like a brand position we were talking about, but become the photographer everyone is jealous of is the uh, the tagline. Yeah. So make sure you check that out. That's great. Yeah. And then Zach and Jody and um, there are some other people on YouTube were actually helpful in a sense of letting me be there and, and experience what a wedding is without actually being there. You know, as many people know, they're probably listening. It's really hard to get your foot into the wedding industry and get some experience. You know, you ask the second shoe for people. Um, and nobody will say yes to, and, you know, it, and I now obviously a lot more understand a lot more than, than what I did before. And, you know, it's hard to let some people in, you don't know them, you know, there's all kinds of logistics of why it's hard to take somebody sure. as a second shooter when you don't know them, yeah. but you know, how can you gain some kind of experience when you don't, when you're not able to actually be at these weddings and people like Zach and Jody and some other people there have these like, you can be at the wedding with them without actually being there. So yep. it gives you an understanding what of a flow of a wedding is and what parts of the wedding, you know, simple things like understanding the different parts of a wedding. Like if you're not a photographer or somebody in the wedding industry, you don't know what they are. You never heard of them. People getting married definitely don't know what they are because right. most of them are getting married for the first time. So just understanding the language and, and being able to get as much experience as you can uh, in yeah. whatever way you can. Context and perspective is everything. I know Caitlin James does, does something yes. similar as well. She was under a great resource for yeah. sure. Okay. I want to keep yeah. going though because we have a lot to cover still. So education on the photographic side, but then you also mentioned to me before we got started, the next thing was education on the business side, right? Yes. So again, trying to understand what does it mean to run a photography business? Do I have to have an LLC? When do I need to change to an F Corp? Mm. What kind of licenses I have to have? What, what do I need? What kind of do I have to have insurance to shoot at a venue? So many things that you might not think yep. and understand they're there. Like, so yep. trying to get yourself educated on what it takes to run a business. How do I build my clients? When do I build taxes? When do I collect sale taxes? You know, just all these little things that go into running an actual business that I think maybe to me, coming from somebody who has run a business within the healthcare system before, I came asking those questions already. I was like, wait, what does that mean? What do I do? What do I, what can I write off? When do I do my taxes? Is that separate from my personal taxes? So all these little things that people that have had businesses for way longer than I've had, we're not even talking about or didn't know. Yep. Like I found myself several times telling people that have had businesses for longer than I had about sales taxes. Yeah. You know, and they're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Whoops. Okay. <laughs> let's have a talk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we have a joke between some of my friends. They call me the photo doc. So I kind of adopted that okay. hashtag. That's cool. Um, and they're like, you're always the one coming in with these hard questions. And I'm like, but that's, you know, we need to know it's stuff that you need to know to have a successful business. So educating yourself on the backbone of having a photography business is what you need to be successful was just as important, if not more important than understanding the photography itself. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say, and if you were to just like 15, 20 seconds, a couple of resources that you found valuable in, in the case of doing research on running a business? I reach out to local CPAs. Okay. Um, to try to understand that. Yeah. So find somebody that, that work with some other local photographers and I'll say and find a person that would help you understand what you need 
we actually had a local Facebook group that is a resource for photographers. So you can probably search that and find, and it's all on the business side. It's yeah. all, all talks about just the business side of things. So I would just go and look for anything related to business and also your local, you know, Tuesday together chapters. They yeah. often bring in um, speakers that talk about finances and, you know, websites and all kinds of different things that actually help you create a solid business. So those are probably some few things that, that anybody can look for, uh, whatever they are. Yeah. Tuesdays together, rising tide society. Um, Haley who produces the show uh, is also helping run the local Tuesdays together chapter here in Chattanooga. Oh, nice. So um, shout out to them, but Okay, so we're starting with education and photography, then secondly, education and, and business. And by the way, for everybody listening in, we're going to get to some kind of actionable next steps here. We're just walking you through the process that Nada went through. The third thing that you mentioned to me was practicing your craft. And this might seem obvious, but you know, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think that a lot of photographers who shoot professionally, maybe they shoot you know, however many sessions a week or they'll shoot a wedding on the weekend or a couple of weddings on the weekend. I don't know that they're actively practicing their craft. Otherwise it makes sense to do it at the beginning, but I think it makes sense to continue to do it as well. Yeah. So I think there's obviously in the beginning, it's grabbing your camera anytime you can. I used to leave a camera. I still have it actually on top of my fireplace hmm. in the living room. And I will grab that anytime I want to take a picture of the kids doing something, um, but be mindful of what I'm doing. You know, how can I quickly, adjust my settings yeah. and still capture that moment. Sure. So that's a good way to practice for a quick moment. Yeah. Um, you know, using what you have around your house, you know, asking people to, you know, be your models and just practice as often as you can. Um, I think it makes a huge difference. And now as yes, so yes, I can, I can shoot a session in, in a heartbeat, but there are other things that I'm not so comfortable with that I look for opportunities to continue to practice outside of what I do. So once you master one thing, it's that idea of, okay, I've mastered this. What is the next step? Yep. I master, and you might not use that as often, but you want to be proficient on that, you know, light, lighting setup whenever it comes the opportunity to use that. So always looking for what is the next thing. So uh, a lifelong learner is a value that I have that has been, you know, instilled to me from from a, being a professional athlete to being a, a healthcare professional i have to be constantly learning and refining my skills mm-hmm. so i definitely applied that to photography as well wow okay uh, this is good we're going to keep going number four you talked to me about the significance of mentors and those mm-hmm. who can support you bring accountability motivation you know, I never really did this. I don't think very proactively. I had photographer friends in the industry I'd ask advice for, and that seems to be pretty commonplace right now. What's the difference between that and finding a mentor? I think finding a mentor is finding that person that would be honest with you Hmm. and help you put the brakes on when you're going in the right direction, but also help you motivate and push you when you need to be going, you know, when you're going in the right direction. So finding somebody that... And I have no shame in asking for help. I came to this country again without speaking in a word of English. So I needed a ton of help. So my ego uh, when it comes to asking for help is this. <laughs> I have no problem asking for help and saying, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you teach me? And so at finding somebody that is willing to spend the time. And, and it might be, a, you know, I have a, a very good friend that you can look at it and say, and even my one of my family members was visiting and said, but doesn't she do the same thing you do? Doesn't she also shoot weddings and mm. families? I'm like, yes. But 
we talk on a daily basis. We talk through what are we working on right now. Okay. We give each other feedback about our collaterals and about our plans and what we're going for. And we push each other to be better. And we give each other advice. And sometimes we, we say, we're like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Or I think you should change that. And so finding that person that is willing to be honest and help you grow makes a huge difference. But I think it comes from a place of not being afraid of asking for help and admitting that you don't know how to do things. I mean, that is hard for a lot of people. It is true. But then also yeah. being willing to set the ego aside enough so that you can actually take the feedback too, right? Because oh my gosh, yeah. if, if we if we go in defensive and then somebody's saying, hey, I don't think that's actually the greatest idea, you might try this and you get defensive, yeah. you miss out on an opportunity to learn and improve potentially. And um, that's no good. Absolutely. So we have to set that ego aside for sure. That's that's a really great, great point. All right. So I want to keep going. I mean, there's so much here you talked about, and this is a this is a pretty big point, honestly. Um, and it stood out to me because this is not something that photographers normally talk about when they're, especially in their first year or two of photography. Mm-hmm. You said that you wanted to build structure to handle high volume from the start. So we're talking about the idea of building a scalable business, right? Something that can high, handle higher volume as you continue to grow. Where did that even come from? Where did the understanding to even know that you needed to do that come from? That's a good question. It might it might have come from again healthcare background. Okay. Like when you open a clinic, for example, when you're opening a new clinic, you're not thinking about maybe those few patients you're going to have in the first week or two. You are thinking about where do I want to be with my business. Mm. In, in the next two years or yeah. three years. And I want to be able to have these many therapists working on this clinic to be able to tend to these many patients. So, you know, we I think as people talk about things, they don't think through it. We talk about what is your five-year career plan? What is your, you know, b- b- what are you doing right now for hmm. that to happen? Yeah. So having that goal and that plan without taking actions today, you will not get there. Things right. will keep getting pushed. So when I started, I've, because I don't, again, you don't have a lot of sessions at the beginning. So you have a lot of the quote unquote downtime. So <laughs> how, how are you directing that time? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I directed that time into building a website that looked like I'm, I have a ton of clients. Yeah. I have a structure of I have a CRM program that I use that um, I have I can take a ton of clients into, yep. uh, even though I started with a few. Mm-hmm. But I build this structure to now if I have 100 and 200 plus clients coming in every year, I can handle that because I build for them to come. So we talked about earlier is that idea of dressing for the job that you want, not yeah. the job that you have, but applying that concept into your photography business. So building that, um, you know, your email sequence structure, having that ready for when you have all those brides, when you have all those emails from those brides, not waiting till you collect all those emails to then go build <laughs> yeah. your email sequence, but have that ready to go. So when that clientele comes you are ready to attend to them, but you also portraying that you have a solid business. You have a busy business, mm. you know, from, from the get go, people will say to me, you're so busy. You're doing so many sessions. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> but, but there is a, there's a perception of it. And then drives that traffic of mm. people. People want to go to the person who is busy out of the doctor to get the most patients is the one that sometimes you wait weeks to get in. It's true. You know, it's, it's that scarcity principle and, and, yeah. and showing your business on the way that you want it to be seen. So building that structure to accommodate hundreds and hundreds of clients uh, needs to be done at the beginning. That's when you have the time to do it. 
not or, waiting till you have those hundreds and hundreds. They'd be scrambling yeah. um, and taking your time away from the experience that you're providing to your clients. I, w- I would add too, though, that for photographers that have established businesses, maybe they've been in business for three, four or five years that have kind of drugged their feet when it comes to doing something like setting mm-hmm. up a CRM. You know, they had they have a slow season. Uh, it could be now. It could be you know yeah. around Christmas time or whatever it is that they have extra time. Yes, get some rest, relax a little bit, spend time with important people in your life, but take advantage of that slower season to put the systems in place that will enable you to scale to to function efficiently. That's so important. Yeah. What CRM do you recommend? I do use HoneyBook, okay. but I know a lot of friends use Dubsado and they do really well with that and sure. um, Tave as well. So sure. I know there's a there's different things for different people. Um, that's the one I landed on because it, it spoke to me when it comes to an easy, easy of use mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really good. Obviously, there's some features that other ones have that, that HoneyBook doesn't have and vice versa. So I think it's finding what is best for your business uh, in, in relationship to what you know, um, features they have that would fit what kind of services in you provide right now or what kind of services and in, in, uh, features you want to be using in the future. Again, always looking into the future and trying to figure it out what is it that you're going to need and, and have that right now. So, um, and you talk about slow season and I always joke that if you are properly working on your business, there is no slow season. Mm. There's different seasons okay. of like, this is my wedding season. I'm going to be shooting a lot this is not my wedding season. I'm going to be working on the backbone of my business most of the time. Mm. So you should always be, I wouldn't say busy because I don't like that word because I feel like people use it in, so like being busy and stressed is the, is the proper response. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. And I feel like, you know, I don't like to say that because I don't think it's true to me, but being, you should be constantly working on your business. Yeah at a healthy degree, right? So being that maybe I'm shooting a lot more in these months and I'm not working on my CRM and my website as much, but then I'm going to get all the material from all those pictures I was taking. I'm going to update my website and I'm going to make new email sequences. I'm going to revise things. I'm going to check on my, you know, business proposition and making sure that everything is still aligned, that I didn't deviate from that. So there's plenty of things for us to be working on. It's just, you're not going to be taking pictures all the time. That's the reality of it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, it takes a bit of a time investment to set those things up. And, and mm-hmm. I think photography business owners just have to have a more open mind to that idea. There are great systems and workflows to be put in place that will ultimately save you time and help you run a better business, a stronger business. Just understand it's a bit of a time investment up front. You have to just suck it up and do it. And yep. on the other side of that is more efficiency, more freedom, and potentially more success as well. And uh, yeah. so that that's really good. Let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about networking. You mentioned this as, as a sixth point. And specifically, you said to me the importance of showing your face because, you know, we have um, the virtual networking as we know it, Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram and so forth. And, and a lot of photographers, it's funny how they'll, um, I know at least with with photographer get-togethers that I've been a part of, or at least try to be a part of, photographers have a tendency of dragging their feet. The idea of driving 15, 20 minutes across town, it's like the biggest <laughs> deal in the world. I'm like, come on, we're like, it doesn't take that much effort, you know? But that's kind of where we're at, I think. And in many cases, photographers don't maybe prioritize showing up in person or showing face in person. Can you speak just briefly to the significance of this for developing your business? Yeah, I think for, for people that are maybe not extroverted, right? They might be running away from just people being together. 
look at that as a way to practice. We work with people. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to not be awkward around people. You have to be able to <laughs> yeah. relate and have conversations. Yeah. Use those get-togethers, those networking events as practice for yourself. You know, getting your face out there, helping people to know that this is the face of NS photo book that when I get somewhere now and I say, Hey, my name, Hey, I'm not. they're like, Oh yeah, I've heard of you. Like, Oh yeah, I know who you are. Yeah. You know, I'm getting to the point now where people know who I am. And I mean, again, I've been doing this for less than a year and a half. They shouldn't be knowing who I am compared to people that have been working for a lot longer. So right. why do they know? Because I go to Tuesday togethers. I go to any local events that I can be at. I go to open houses. I go, you know, if there's a bridal boutique opening and they have an open house, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be talking to people and I'm going to let them know who I am and what I do and how and be asking them, how can I serve them? How can I be of help? Hmm. How can I make those connections? So do I want to be home with my kids? Yeah, of course. I would love to, but I will sacrifice that day knowing that that's going to bring a result later down the road for me. So it's about making the choices that would support your business and getting over yourself. Like you're doing this for your business. If you really love what you're doing now and you want to continue to do, you know, you don't spend time on your business side of things you're going to be part of the statistics of the people that don't have a business in year three or year 10 it doesn't matter how good of a photographer you are if you don't pay attention to your business you are not going to go further so really investing the time you just have to show up be seen be heard and people remember you whenever they need somebody to take pictures because you are there all the time out of sight out of mind for mm. sure yeah, that's that's really good. And I have to add on too. you mentioned that the photographers that tend to be kind of introverted in nature, introversion is a behavioral pattern. Um, and I, I want to start kind of emphasizing this because I hear it so much in yes. the photography industry. <laughs> People say I'm an introvert or and now the fun thing to say is I'm an introvert extrovert. Or I'm an extrovert introvert. Like these these words are not you. These words represent certain behavioral patterns. The behavioral mm-hmm. patterns are a a result of psychological development largely based on our personal experience. So if you're uncomfortable being in front of somebody that you don't know or being in a room with a group of people, the question really is, why are you uncomfortable? And, and, and by the way, I empathize, fully empathize with, with anybody that has this kind of uncomfort. I've dealt with it myself, but it just took a little bit of, you know, taking a step backward outside this little tiny box that I was living in and looking at why I was uncomfortable and addressing that, that made a massive yeah. difference in my ability then to go and be in large groups of people and be okay and be able to do it for longer than you know, 20, 30 minutes before I felt like I needed to step out of the room. This kind of behavior that I used to exhibit as a so-called introvert. Again, these are, psycholog- these are behaviors that are rooted in, in, in the psychology that can be better understood. And you can make shifts, you can pivot, you can make adjustments. And, and maybe it involves you know, talking to a therapist to better understand that. But please, mm-hmm. please, please, whether it's a personality type or an Enneagram or, or just calling yourself introvert or extrovert, these are, we're, we're treating these ideas way too simplistically. They represent behavioral mm-hmm. patterns that we can make adjustments to if we actually want to. You, may, you mentioned earlier, Nada, the significance of choice. We have the ability yes. to, to choose to make adjustments to these behavioral patterns for the better. And as you pointed out, so brilliantly, simply, this is our job. I mean, if, if we're going to be a photographer, it involves interacting with people. So we need to make adjustments to, uh, to adapt. Uh, ultimately, please let me encourage anybody listening who feels you know, I'm an introvert, understand it's a behavioral pattern. It can be adjusted if you're just willing to take the time to understand what's behind that. 
It'll make all the difference in the world. So glad that you emphasize the importance of showing face in person. Yeah. Let's keep going though. Um, you and I love this one. You said that you that you just concertedly made the effort to tell people about your business. Again, this might yes. seem obvious to people, but there is a tendency, maybe kind of similarly to this tendency of feeling introverted or not talking about ourselves, feeling intimidated, promoting our own business that some photographers may have to just holding back. They don't really they don't mention the fact that they're a photographer to a friend or to a family member or otherwise. You said you did this very proactively. What did that look like and mm-hmm. how did it translate? Yeah, every conversation that I had, I would try to intently talk about what I did and how I wanted to help people through that. So hmm. I remember a specific occasion where I went to the bank actually to open my business account. Okay. Um, and through a conversation with a person that was helping me and say, hey, I'm a photographer. And she was, she happened to be pregnant at the time. She's like, oh, I've been looking for a photographer to do my maternity pictures. I was like, perfect. You just found your photographer, you know? So we ended up talking about it and she became a client and I was taking pictures of her kid. But, you know, if I haven't brought it up, she would have just opened my account and we would move on to the next thing. And, you know, so just finding opportunities to share what you do. It doesn't mean you're bragging on yourself. You would just helping people maybe find a solution for a problem that they have. But that's she it. She was looking for, yeah, that's all you're doing. She was looking for a photographer for her maternity pictures. And yeah. she was like, I don't have time to look. I've been, I tried to look online and I found a couple of people I didn't really like. I was like, well, I have a solution for your problem. So, so you, all you're doing is helping them with something that they need. So looking mm. at it from a lens of you're helping people. Yeah with something that they need. So offer that solution to as many people as you can, because you don't know who needed until they say something or until you say something. But it's how you frame it, right? I mean, that yeah, you, you highlight the very fact that, or the very idea that we were just talking about, which is it's all about how you frame the situation. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you frame it as this is an opportunity for me to add value, that's the word that you used just a second mm-hmm. ago. I, and I love that you said, this is what I do. And here's how I can add or give value to you that's the focus that frames the conversation they're going to feel that if you meet if it's genuine that you want to add value to their life they're going to feel that in the interaction and this is no longer about being sold to it's about you adding value in some way to their life i think that's beautiful yeah i think we we try to run away from this idea of selling right like people Mm. don't like to sell um and this is again comes of coming from my healthcare experience we talk about how therapists hate this concept and and when you become a manager you have to go and speak to physicians and and ask them to hey i, I need to send your patients to me basically um but say it in a way that you know how how are you different than the next physical therapy clinic so it's the same kind of ideas right so it's like well help, i hate i hate selling i hate sell sales and 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 the idea of of selling but you know, I used to tell therapists, like, you are selling every day. You're selling the concept of people coming to you in pain. They don't feel good. And you have to sell them the idea that they have to exercise to feel better in the time when they're actually feeling pain already. So you are doing this on a daily basis. Hmm. You're constantly selling the idea of this is what you have to do to get to your goal. So we all, to a certain degree, do some kind of selling. So taking the, the negative connotation out of this word selling and understanding that you're that you're selling if you want selling a solution to their problem you're helping people they need a picture to keep a memory of a wedding they need a picture to keep a memory of a newborn um, baby they want to capture that graduation time and in the the celebration after putting so many years of effort into a study and you're there offering 
help. You're offering a solution to their problem. So understanding that you're not pushing things on people that don't want it. If they don't want a picture, they're not going to hire you. <laughs> you're not going to pay you the money. Yeah. You're offering, you're doing that for people that want and are looking for that. So just taking that negative connotation out of the selling and really started to talk about your business to people and talk about what you do and really selling the value of what you do. It's, it makes a huge difference and it might make you more comfortable about talking about your business, which you should be doing all the time. <laughs> well, speaking of, the next point that you mentioned to me was direct communication to create awareness about sessions. This maybe falls under a similar line, but were you sending out emails? Were you sending out text messages? Just having in-person conversation? What did that look like? All of the above. Okay. So always, you know, I, for the people that are more close to me, um, the beginning, again, you don't have a huge reach as a, as a new photographer. So obviously my the people that are in my circle were the ones that I, you know, attended to the most. So if I was ever having a conversation when I mentioned that I'm doing photography and obviously they were seeing that through my Facebook and social media and they asked, they will say, Oh yeah, I need to take pictures of my family. I haven't done family pictures in a long time. I'll kind of keep that on the back of your, my mind. And whenever I'm setting up family pictures for the end of the year for Christmas cards, I'll be like, Hey, Janet, you mentioned to me last time we talked that you want to do some family pictures. I'm actually doing these between September and November. Would you like to schedule a session? Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Hmm. But Janet might not come to me and look for pictures because Janet is busy. She's doing all kinds of things. She has a family to attend to. Yeah. So just m- being mindful of those conversations and bringing that back and offering, again, offering that solution to their problem hmm. and direct communicating with people. Be mindful, obviously, and not be annoying. And we talked a little bit that, you know, earlier. I wasn't nagging people all the time. I was being strategic to who had mentioned in the past that they have an interest or, you know, at some way, let me know that they might want some pictures. Just not losing those opportunities, you know, just being every opportunity is important. And then helping them spread the word and, and talk to their friends about what you're doing as well. Oh, that, I love it. Volunteer work. This was another point that you yes. said that made a big difference for you, that you were taking advantage of opportunities to offer your services at no cost and various Mm -hmm. events. Is that right? Yes. So anything from church events to your neighborhood event, there are school fairs that I participated in, any kind of project that you can help with. Even when people are not thinking about having pictures. And so I was actually volunteering in a triathlon as uh, as a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. I was volunteering there and I say, hey, do you guys have a photographer? for your event. And the person said, no, we didn't even think about having somebody to take pictures. I Mm. said, well, do you mind if I bring my camera and I also take pictures? That was actually the first official event I photographed. And I have, and I, and I'm doing that again in May, if if it still is going to go with all this craziness, but I'm I'm actually coming back to it now as a hired photographer, um, bringing a team of people with me. Um, But that was somebody that I volunteered to do it and it allowed me to practice, you know, sports photography, which is something I didn't do before. I had to figure out what lens I needed to use, what settings I needed to put my camera on and, you know, look at those opportunities as a way to practice your skills and get your face out there and get your name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I constantly get business from things that I volunteer, volunteering your services and like auctions and things like that. So just there's so many local opportunities to expose your business that don't cost you a dime other than maybe your time for that session. But again, it's, it's something that's going to give you some good ROI at the end. Being active on social media. Um, this is the, the 10th point that you mentioned to me. 
now, again, this is one of those that maybe some would be like, well, yeah, obviously, but I want to make it more concrete, more specific. What did that mm-hmm. look like for you as a new photography business owner? And how did that translate to you being able to book so many sessions? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's important. It took me a while to understand this, too, because I was, you know, trying to keep things private. And this is my photography thing. And nobody needs to know who I am or who my <laughs> kids are and, and yeah. none of that. Yeah. Um, but quickly, I realized that that wasn't going to fly. Um, part of it is because I do like to connect with people. And a lot of the sessions that I do book is because people connect with me in my personality and who I am as a person and my values. So I needed to be constantly showing that on social media too, to help people that I don't have a direct reach to actually get to me and understanding what my business is about. So I'm constantly talking about my stories about what the client experience looked like, um, working on behind the scenes, um, shouting out to other people, other vendors in town and other colleagues. Um, I'm showing how I'm working with my clients. I'm showing up. I'm showing my work. Obviously, we all do that on social media. But but honestly, talking about me and lessons that I learned. And, you know, I talked about there was one day I went for a family session and I have a really good system to make sure I have my batteries and my cards back on my camera, right? So I don't ever forget them. And then one day I skipped and I didn't go through my process and I ended up that one of my cameras actually didn't have a battery. Good thing is I always take two cameras to all my sessions and I had one camera there and I was able to do that, you know, without a problem. But I talked through that on social media and saying how the good things about having a, a process and following a process. Why do we have processes and having backups? And when you're taking pictures of people that it's important to have those processes because you cannot miss things that are important. Yeah. And then I actually had a bride contact me and say, Hey, I just love how authentic and honest you are. Mm. Um, and that you're in that You're not afraid of sharing that, you know, on social media. So just, ex- just helping people know who you are. It will help them choose you or somebody else um, to really capture their time because they would connect with you. You know, I mentioned to brides when I do consultations, I said, if you work with me or not, make sure you choose somebody that you connect well with because we're going to spend a ton of time together on your wedding day. And if you're choosing somebody that you don't get along with, you don't connect with, well, you're going to have a miserable time because <laughs> uh, we're talking about at least eight hours of, yeah. you know, you spend more time with your photographer on your wedding day than probably any other person as a bride. So really making sure that people just get to know you. So being there in your stories every day, sharing day-to-day things and sharing things related to your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love that you highlight the significance of Instagram and specifically stories being important for the sake of them getting to know you on a personal level. You're not mm-hmm. highlighting it so much as a portfolio. It does work as a portfolio as well, mm-hmm. but really it's more about them getting to know you on a more personal level, potentially connect with you. So that's good. Yeah. And then the last point here as we finish up you said, think outside the box. Now, this is a phrase that we hear from time to time, and it probably means different things Mm -hmm. to different people. What does it mean very specifically in the context of you developing your business and being able to take it as far as you have already? Yeah. So, you know, because I started this late in my, in my life in general, so I'm 38 years old now, just turned 38 in February. And I don't, I don't have time to waste. My learning curve has to be (laughs) very, very steep, right? Mm. So I have to be very intentional with what I do Mm. um, to make sure that I can grow this business as fast as I can and and get as much as I can out of it before I, you know, before things transition. So um, I did a ton of research and understanding the market and trying to figure out different things that I can do to, to 
differentiate myself from other people. So one example of that is um, I was working through a mastermind class and uh, came up with the idea of creating this Facebook group. So I've been in a lot of vendor Facebook groups, so wedding industry vendors. And then there was a lot of groups for brides, but there wasn't a group that connect the actual brides with the vendors. So I created a private Facebook group wow. for my brides, okay. for my brides to connect with wedding vendors. So it's a place where you can go as a bride and you can say, Hey, I'm looking for a DJ. And then all the DJs on the group can just come to you and talk about their services. Yeah. And you don't have to go look anywhere else. So it kind of simplifies the stress of planning the wedding. Wow. So I now have over 300 members on the group and I started in probably August of wow. last year. Um, and that's a combination of brides and vendors. So it's a place for people to go and I tell the vendors, say, hey, you can offer that as a resource to your brides too. And you can say, hey, I'm part of this group. And if you were looking for other vendors, you can join this group and, you know, look for people. And, and I tell people, obviously, I'm respectful. They already have their photographer. I'm not going to be pushing anything on anybody. This is really to help serve these people. They're really stressed, yeah. trying to figure it out how to, how to um, plan a wedding. Yeah. Brides can give advice to other brides and so on. So I do a spotlight there for vendors and, mm -hmm. and just things like that. So that was something that I couldn't find anywhere that wasn't there before. And it might be other groups, but it wasn't anything local that I could find. So just trying to think of different things like this, trying to think of something different to do and, and think outside the box and think of offering something different to your brides or yeah, looking at the market and seeing where they are, how they're behaving, what they're saying, yeah. and then ultimately kind of going a different direction or even the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. The, the so-called box could be the marketplace and their typical right. behavior, and you're looking for opportunities to step outside that. I think it's a brilliant example. And the Facebook group is just one example of how you're doing that, but you're doing that to kind of bring us full circle again as we close the conversation back to adding value. How can I add mm -hmm. value? Because there's a chance that as you pointed out, other photographers might be in there, so you don't get to sell yep. your services, but that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to add value to these brides and to the vendors, and you set up that opportunity. The cool thing is that'll still come back to benefit you because now yes. they see you as a leader in the industry locally, and uh, so that's really brilliant. This, is, this has been really wonderfully practical for our listeners, for me too, um, and, I, and I really appreciate you taking so much time to share. I want our listeners to be able to follow what you're doing. So just one more time, if you'll share where they can find your website and social media as well. Yeah, so on Instagram is at nsphotobook. Um, my website is www.nsphotobook.com. And then on Facebook is the same thing. It's facebook.com dash um, slash uh, nsphotobook. So try to keep everything constant so Good. you can easily find me. Important, yep. Uh, yeah, and then my uh, the group that we were just talking about is called the NS Bride Tribe. Perfect. So the NS Bride Tribe. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put all this in the show notes. And for those of you listening in, go to boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. You can see the show notes there or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks again, uh, Nada, for making time for all of us today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate being able to share a little bit of my story and, and hope that that would help some of you starting out too. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. 
visit milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.